Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs. This is The Great America Show, and welcome. We're delighted you're with us, and we'll be talking about politics today, of course, and where the country's headed. We'll be getting lots of clues as to direction over the next several weeks. Primary elections are underway, and it appears this will be a very good year for Republicans. That's not only an understatement, of course, but it's also a safer way to proceed in the forecasting business. Everything, almost everything, points to a route for the Republicans. But it's still too early to say that, or much more. Although that will not stop any of us from remarking on it all. Texas kicked it all off on March 1st. Then Indiana and Ohio followed on May 3rd. Nebraska and West Virginia on May 10th. And Idaho, Kentucky, North Carolina, Oregon, and Pennsylvania on the 17th of May. And coming up in a week, Alabama. Arkansas, and Georgia. President Biden continues to be beaten and bruised in the polls. His advisors, whether political or policy, can't produce, it seems, even a single reasonable position on anything. President Biden and his advisors simply out of touch with the American people. And that continues to be reflected in the polls as he hits new lows in just about every one of them. President Trump, meanwhile, is running strong. His candidates are winning, but Pennsylvania and Georgia will be big tests of his poll and power. With us today is prominent Republican pollster and strategist Robert Cahaley, the mastermind behind the Trafalgar Group, which has proved over and over its overarching philosophy, superior strategy, innovative tactics, and bold leadership can prevail over larger numbers, greater resources, and conventional wisdom. Robert Cahaley, thanks for joining us here on The Great America Show. With all of these primaries, uh, give us your thoughts about the most important uh, of the primary season and whatever the major takeaway is. Well, I don't think, to me, there's no question that uh, Pennsylvania is uh, what's most important. It is the the battleground on uh, those who want uh, to have a uh, kind of a, a, um, an America first uh, agenda and those who want to see that be something that we that the Republican Party has moved on from. And so that's what this is really kind of coming down to. And there's a lot of effort uh, being put in this thing. And, uh, you know, there's some certainly some good candidates. But in the end, you, you have to you have to wonder about the the focus on the general election. One of the things that I think that we've seen, and I guess this was a criticism people anticipated Trump would do, but he did not. You know, there's a lot of folks who were worried that he would go pick people who would be very difficult general election candidates and kind of say, you know, we would have won, but for the fact that 
Trump supported this person. Right. And so I, we've seen some discipline on Trump's part in not always picking the people that his supporters even liked best, but the people he thought had the best chance in the general election. And, and I think, I mean, with J.D. Vance's case, I mean, that was somebody who had been very critical of him. Right. So I think that's that's a, a future focus and in many ways, a understanding that the goal uh, for the Republicans has to be to win the general election. And so this there's a lot of folks who have kind of weighed in this thing. And I don't know what certainly the agenda was. I mean, we can no matter what happens today, I think it'll be clear that three fourths of the people who vote will vote for a candidate who espouses uh in the Republican primary, who espouses uh, Trump values and make a make America great, America first agenda values, but you know how that's going to manifest itself in the fall really depends on which candidate they pick. Well, in Pennsylvania, you know we uh, the voting is underway. When we're talking, people will know who the winners are, and let's let's talk about uh, the president's choices and your choices uh, in, in your polling. You know, your your polls are always wildly accurate. Uh, and your thinking always rigorous and revealing. So let's let's start with Pennsylvania. Uh, what outcome do you expect in the governor's race? For, first of all, well, we expect Mastriano to walk away with it. Mastriano has been in the lead uh, every time we've pulled this thing in the last few months. What we did see is coming into Friday with uh, two candidates having dropped out and endorsed Barletta, we saw Barletta right on Mastriano's heels uh, by Saturday morning. Now, what happened after that was Trump kind of surprised everybody and endorsed Mastriano, and that literally was like afterburners for him to move right past Barletta. I think at that point, had Trump chosen Barletta, he could have put Barletta in first. But Trump's choice of Mastriano kind of ended that race and we expect a significant uh, victory uh, for Mastriano tonight. And what was the the, deter, the determinant uh, in the president's choice? What was it that convinced him versus uh, Barletta, say? Now you are asking me to do something I have no ability to do. I have no idea. President Trump has his own internal ability to read a room, react, and make his own decisions. And that is something that I think only he can answer. I do not understand, but uh, I'm sure he had his reasons, and I'm not here to question him. I'm just saying I don't understand. Well, lucky for us, uh, President Trump is going to be with us next Wednesday right here on the Great America Show. So I'll make a note and I'll tell him, Robert Cahaley told me I had to ask you this question. <laughs> yeah. and, we, and we will. He said, Robert doesn't, said he doesn't know what's in your head, and only you can answer that, because I think he'll agree with that. Well, I think he'd agree with it with uh, nearly all of us, don't you? Uh, he is, yes, sir. Uh, you talk about a man who has his own mind, uh, and thank God, uh, it's Donald J. Trump. So uh, let's move to the Senate race. Now, there, there could have hardly been more controversy over what effectively was a three-person race uh, in the Republican Party. Uh, those folks don't like each other. Uh, how is it going to end up? Well, uh, let's start with something else. And we, we put this on Twitter, and we've had a little fun with this. Uh, if you go back and look at our March 13th poll, we told the world that uh, Barnett was for real and should be taken seriously. We had her in a very close third right behind uh, McCormick. 
We okay. said every at the time she's very close. She should be taken seriously, and no one listened. And as usual, three more weeks passed. No one did any vetting, and then every the world figured out that she was in uh, in contention. So what we saw uh, post that post those polls that uh, I think it was myself. Well, we we put a Trafalgar poll, and then Matt Tower put an insider advantage with Fox forty six in Philadelphia, and then uh, Fox News Channel all put together polls. Uh, showing them very tight at the top three. What we saw since then, as we've been following it uh, almost daily, is uh, there's there's a certain amount of the votes that Oz is going to get. And then there are votes that are, you know, kind of America first Trump votes that aren't for Oz. And they were evenly divided between McCormick and uh, between Barnett. So as Barnett grew, it cost McCormick. And there was a lot of attention uh, spent uh, popping McCormick, but the, you know you're popping somebody who's also in the midst of growing. And so what we saw was McCormick kind of fell fell out. And so our, our final numbers, I believe we have McCormick about five points back. Uh, we and we saw the whole weekend it was between Oz and uh, Barnett. I mean back and forth, tight as it could be through the weekend. Uh, we think with the uh, edge that Oz got in early voting because he was in the lead for a significant portion of early voting when over uh, 40% of the votes were cast. And uh, with uh, he had a very good Monday compared to his Saturday and Sunday. We've got a, I think a 1.8, uh, 1.9 margin for Oz ahead. But uh, this thing is still to the point where if the undecided broke any direction, uh, one of the top three could win. But uh, we do have uh, Oz up by... Uh, you know, just under two points over her with McCormick, a uh, kind of a few points back in third. And if, how do you think it's going to break uh, in the final count? I think that's a bit, I think that's going to be very close to where it is. I, I expect, I actually expect us to quite possibly with the estimate being that of the 190,000 electoral, I mean, uh, absentee uh, ballots that have been requested in the hundred and 40 or so that have been received as of now, I think we could be opening ads to ballots to figure out who won when it's all said and done. Wow. We love wow. that, don't we? Oh, yeah. Here we go again. Uh, <laughs> what did what kind of influence did Pompeo have when he butted into that race um, and butted heads with the president? I think Pompeo had a, I, I would be, I would want to tell you that I saw a significant, uh, even though Trump the reason Oz did not take the dive that I think he would have taken if Pompeo had happened in a vacuum, uh, Oz had the benefit of Trump having been in town being for Oz the same day. And, but I do think it, 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 it actually, it, it hurt because part of what Pompeo did, and this, and we, we picked this up with some voters saying Pompeo suggested there was more than he was allowed to say that made him not want to support Oz. And when someone who's been in a position like CA, like Secretary of State, who suggests there's things I can't tell you, but you have to trust me, it really makes people wonder what's going on. And so I, I, I'm not saying that uh, that was intentional, but it definitely, when someone who that has access to that kind of information they're not allowed to share says that, it makes people question it. Well, uh, and we also have the experience, Robert, of uh, uh, tw uh, 2020 with those uh, 50 uh, veteran 
uh, intelligence community uh, folks uh, and five former CIA directors saying that the laptop from hell, Hunter Biden's laptop, was Russian disinformation. I mean, we have been spun and abused by no official official voices. I thought it was really degrading uh, of Pompeo, and I took him to account on Twitter. I did. I just no, couldn't I, understand it. And yes, you did. And, and, and I think the, the point is, is it, it, just like you said, there is a built-in Republican skepticism, but that skepticism has never been directed to Pompeo. So it's um, what, what, you know, there are certainly people who listen to it, certain people who, who wanted to see what he was talking about, but it, it, it definitely took him from an authority that Republicans who were skeptical of, you know, the national security apparatus, uh, it made him one of the people they're skeptic, skeptical of, not as someone who is an outlier who they respected. So, you know, as you, as you analyze this, is there something that uh, Oz could have done that would have overcome all of this uh, noise that was created around him? You mean the Pompeo stuff? I, I think that was late in the game. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not sure what he could have done. I, I, all I would say is Oz has the, uh, the luck of that happening the same day Trump was in town saying good things about him. You know, so right. it, it's kind of like when you have a car wreck on the way home, but you found out you won the lottery too. Right. <laughs> well, indeed he did. Uh, and uh, the winning isn't going to stop, is my guess. Uh, is, is Trump, how strong is he with his base, uh, particularly in Pennsylvania? Because that seems to me to be a pretty good test for minority support uh, for blacks, Hispanics, women, uh, evangelicals. Uh, give us Give us your sense of that. Trump is strong with his base. However, there are people who can say, I like Trump, but I don't like this particular choice because it is it is always a hard sell Uh, when you when you try to tell I mean, this this has been the if this has been a problem with conservatism from the very beginning. What was it? Buckley used to say that you have to pick the most conservative person who can win. You know, so often conservatives and Republicans in the primary, want to pick somebody that is just totally agrees with them, irrespective of their chances in the fall. Right. And and sometimes find themselves picking somebody who just can't win the fall. But gosh darn it, they feel good about that choice in the primary. And so it is an intellectual exercise to have to put aside someone that you agree with completely to, to pick someone who you agree with enough who can win. And so I, I think that that is, even among those who support Trump and even among Trump's followers, some of the people don't. That is a hard sell. You have yeah. to pick someone that you don't agree with just as much, but you know you got to be focused. And uh, Pennsylvania is a unique duck. I don't think just the candidate who barely wins in the fall in Pennsylvania is what you're looking for. I think you want one who wins by a pretty sizable margin if they're going to win Pennsylvania. I, you know, I worry about Barletta because he's. Uh, I will tell you, I consider him the most likable politician I've ever met. Uh, nobody is more likable on the other side of it. He's lost three times uh, and it, it's, it's not a good trajectory. Uh, so I understand the president's hesitation and, and choice. Um, it, it also had to hurt uh, in Pennsylvania for the president to go up against Barletta on that. I can certainly see that Barletta has unusually dedicated and, and is a really good fellow. 
and um, ha- has an appeal to people beyond just uh, some stereotypical Republicans. But, you know, it, 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 is, it, it is part and parcel of what's happening. And, you know, this, this election, I know there are people who are concerned uh, what Mastriano can and can't do in the fall. And, you know, it's a big step uh, from, you know, being a senator. But I will say this. The good news is, yes, they're running against Shapiro. Yes, they're probably running against Fetterman. But really, they're kind of running against Joe Biden. They're kind of running against gas prices and baby formula and pronouns and radical environmentalism. So I wouldn't write any uh, Republican nominee off at this point, because unless something changes radically, and I don't expect it to go radical in a way that makes things better, it is set to be a pretty good fall. Yep. As you have forecast from the outset, uh, let's turn to the the base itself, the country, the cross currents at work. One of the polls that grabbed me, just stepping away from the primaries for a minute here, uh, was Disney's positive rating uh, falling from 77% to 33% uh, in recent weeks. And this after the so-called woke company came out against a Florida uh, parental rights law uh, and I think just teed off the entire country uh, for the most part. What, what, is, what are the implications of that rating and what's it going to take if, if there is anything at all to build it back? Well, you know, maybe they should build it back better. Maybe oh building goodness. it back better is about building something that is focused on return for the shareholders and providing entertainment for the public and not uh, uh, catering to a very small amount of people and their woke sensitivities. I thought that Netflix's announcement that they were just going to focus on programming their people wanted and not be so influenced. I thought that was the most positive corporate message I've seen in quite some time. And maybe Disney could could learn from them. I mean, these companies need to focus on delivering for their shareholders and delivering for their customers and not, not, you know, basically acting as if they don't act like their customers, wish their customers were somebody else. I mean, the hypocrisy of some of these places is very frustrating. And, we, you know, we saw it firsthand in Georgia uh, with a law they didn't even understand. And frankly, it wasn't even a very good law. I mean, it, it put the cameras indoors uh, and, and took a, it put the uh, drop boxes indoors and took the cameras off of them. They should have loved this new law. But, you know, the, the way they were going on, it was it was ridiculous. So I think it was a it, Netflix was a positive step. I think Disney getting in this situation, shareholders are going to start to react. And everybody needs to be a little fo- less focused on ESG and a little uh, more focused on ROI. You better believe it. Uh, it it's a uh, I, I think this about uh, Disney. I think that Bob Chapek has made a huge mistake. But they, you know, in these instances, he's a new CEO, and a lot of people would say, Norma Poy, I wish we had Bob Iger back. But Iger, weeks before he had uh, JPEC and the top officials had decided to take a pass on discussing parental rights uh, laws in Florida, uh, Bob Iger was out showing everybody what a woke liberal he still is. And he would have made ex- the same mistake, only I think he would have been worse. Uh, I think it would have been a more stubborn approach 
And I think that the number with it's 33 today would have been around 15% because Iger still wanted that job badly. And he'd love being at the, uh, the premieres. Uh, and I just, I absolutely have nothing but contempt for corporate America using this woke nonsense to peddle their wares. And that's exactly what they're doing. The president of Disney Entertainment saying that she wanted uh, half of their programming to be LGBTQ plus uh, underrepresented uh, folks uh, was a, one of the most ignorant things I've ever heard anybody say. But it tells you where we are. We're in a society where the left, they think, by God, this is just our country and that's the way it's going to be. And we don't care if we have to intercede between uh, children and their parents. It shouldn't have taken a genius to understand uh, there in Hollywood that, you know, one thing you don't do is get between children and their parents. And when you do, you're going to pay a hell of a price. Your thoughts? There's no question about it. I, I think that that it there is a there is a a mass of consumers who feel very strongly these companies are not representing their values and that they're they're starting to show it and you know we have some of these guys pushing back uh i wish we'd had a little more pushback when major league baseball did what they did in atlanta i mean they do have antitrust uh exemption and i i think there's some times in history uh i remember something with senator symington that I read about where they started to challenge it, baseball buckled. Well, maybe that we need a little more of that in the corporate world and in the entertainment world and the sports world is they're not representing their customers, their constituents, their fans, and they, they have to be held accountable. And I think it's turning the right way. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm hopeful as well. Uh, when you when you talk about doing more, we don't have a countervailing influence right now up against the woke uh, corporate media the woke corporate executives in this country. They almost have a playground right now. It's changing. As you said, it is changing, but it needs a lot more changing before parents can be trustful of the Disney company ever again. I truly believe uh, that they are going to see a profound impact, whether it's in streaming, whether it is in their, uh, in the, uh, the resorts, whatever it may be. Uh, I, I just think it'll, it'll show up there. I want to quickly get your thoughts about the Supreme Court protest and the Biden White House refusal to condemn those protests uh, of these left wingers at the homes of conservative judges. You know, it's interesting. I actually in Washington Day and last night, uh, a few of us walked over the Supreme Court and there wasn't a single person there. Now, that is the place. If you disagree with what they're doing or contemplating or might do, your protests belong. And that's America. And you should be there. But being at their homes, we have specific laws about trying to intimidate judges. And so, you know, we, we find ourselves in this juxtaposition where the conservative movement is becoming the, the spokesman for free speech. And the other side is becoming the, the one that will condone certain sorts of censorship. And it seems very interesting when the only free speech that they seem to be concerned about is free speech that is designed to intimidate. Right. And, you know, there are specific laws on that. And every single person who's at a judge's home, there's plenty of room right in front of the Supreme Court. Everything is there. That's where you belong. 
That's where your voice can be heard. That's where you can exercise your rights as citizens. But we don't intimidate judges. That's just not acceptable. We've had judges that have lost their lives, the lives of their spouses and their children. It's just not acceptable. And it is unacceptable for the Biden administration to stand in the way. It's unacceptable for the Justice Department to stand in the way. And again, this is something we polled, and the majority of the public agree with that, that there's that is inappropriate. That should not be allowed to happen. There's maybe, a place to protest, and it's right there in front of the Capitol, in front of the court. Maybe that will give the Republican Party some guts, uh, the leadership in particular, uh, to respond to these challenges to uh, Americana, the American way, and to this great republic of ours. Uh, I, we always give our guests the last word, as you know, Robert, uh, and it's that time. Uh, your concluding thoughts, if you will. Well, I think the next few weeks are going to tell us a lot about what 2022 is going to look like in the fall. Uh, we, as, as we approach more and more of these primaries, what, what we saw in Ohio, what I, what I expect it will see in Pennsylvania is this, a gr- the majority of the people are some people who support this uh, new, the new, I would say the new Republican Party, which is the Republican Party. Uh, the conservative movement that is more uh, aligned with the the business owner, uh, the waitress, the truck driver, the 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 person, the, the farmer, the person who cl- cleans up the restaurant. I mean, th- this is a party that is of working people, and this is a this is a move. And there are a lot of forces that would like their good old fashioned country club Republican Party back. And we're going to be battling for that soul through these primaries. And I think if this remains, uh, this movement remains a movement of average people and average people's common sense, regular values. It is going to be a very successful election in 2022. But if we turn back into the party of the uh, disassociated uh, country club type Republicans who are not don't we believe in the core core values, then I wouldn't count on the fall to be as good as it could be for the Republicans. So uh, what this party is is to become is going to be determined uh, in the primaries from now until September. You know, I say to people, the Republican Party has no room for rhinos and I don't care how many they are. uh, I don't want them in the Republican Party. Uh, I'll take I'll take the lumps uh, for that uh, that judgment. Uh, and that insistence, but we can't handle Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy and their like anymore. Uh, it's just, it's just not sensible. It doesn't make, uh, uh, not only not sense, it doesn't make uh, political sense to continue it. Uh, I, I'm stepping on your last word. So your reaction to that thought. Well, what I would say is there are a lot of Democrats who are realizing how much their party has left them like it left Ronald Reagan. And there are a lot of people who have realized they don't really like either one of the parties, but they like a kind of a a more conservative movement that's focused on working people. And so to all, you know, to any of those working people, this, they're candidates that you can support and it does, and they don't care what color you are. As a matter of fact, they'd love to have a lot of diversity in this party because what we care about is purpose and 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 what people believe and the values they hold and, and there's plenty of room so you know rhinos not so much but if, if you want to be a democrat name only and you want to hold 
the values of the conservative, then I, I think this is a party would have welcomed. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you and I disagree about rhinos. <laughs> and that's all right, too. We've got room for both of us in the Republican Party. I think we disagree what the definition of rhino is uh, sometimes. But uh, I, we definitely agree on the fact that those in charge of this party need to be the people who understand the base of this party. Amen, brother. Robert Cahaley, America's greatest pollster. Great to have you with us. Robert Cahaley, pollster par excellence. Great American. Tomorrow we'll be joined by a leader in the fight to restore integrity and security to our elections. She's Catherine Engelbrecht, the head of True the Vote, whose work is a central feature of the documentary 2000 Mules. We'll be talking about ballot harvesting, ballot trafficking, and the mules who run fraudulent ballots back and forth from the drop boxes and more. You don't want to miss her story and the state of our upcoming elections. That's here tomorrow. Please be with us. Till then, thanks for joining us. God bless you, and God bless America.